0: Welcome to our podcast, and this week at London Visited, we go back to the Tower of London for the second part in our podcast, to tell you about this iconic part of history in London. My name is Steve, and each week I'll bring you the facts, history, and information about different parts of this great capital. If you've been to London, are planning on visiting, live here, or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering this place and so many others across London. And now, to this week's podcast. During Edward II's reign, 1307-1327, to there was relatively little activity at the Tower of London. However, it was during this period that the Privy Wardrobe was founded. The institution was based at the Tower and responsible for organizing the state's arms. In 1329, Margaret de Clare, Baroness Bandor's mayor, became the first woman imprisoned in the Tower of London after she refused Queen Isabella admittance to Leeds Castle and ordered her archers to fire upon Isabella, killing six of the royal escort. Generally reserved for high-ranking inmates, the town was the most important royal prison in the country. However, it was not necessarily very secure, and throughout its history, people bribed the guards to help them escape. In 1323, Roger Mortimer, Baron Mortimer, was aided in his escape from the tower by sub-lieutenant of the tower, who let Mortimer's men inside. They hacked a hole in his cell wall and Mortimer escaped to a waiting boat. He fled to France where he encountered Edward's queen. They began an affair and plotted to overthrow the king. One of Mortimer's first acts on entering England in 1326 was to capture the tower and release the prisoners held there. For four years he ruled while Edward III was too young to do it himself. In 1330, Edward and his supporters captured Mortimer and threw him in the tower. Under Edward III's rule, 1312 to 1377, England experienced renewed success in warfare, after his father's reign had put the realm on the back foot against the Scots and the French. Amongst Edward's successors were the battles of Creancy and Poitiers, where King John II of France was taken prisoner, and the capture of King David II of Scotland at Neville's Cross. During this period, the Tower of London held many noble prisoners of war, Edward II had allowed the Tower of London to fall into a state of disrepair, and by the reign of Edward III, the castle was an uncomfortable place. The nobility held captive within its walls were unable to engage in activities, such as hunting, which were permissible at other royal castles used as prisons, for instance Windsor. Edward III ordered that the castle should be renovated. When Richard II was crowned in 1377, he led a procession from the Tower to Westminster Abbey. This tradition began in at least the early 14th century and lasted until 1660. During the Peasants' Revolt of 1384, the Tower of London was besieged with a king inside. When Richard rode out to meet with Wat Taylor, the rebel leader, a crowd broke into the castle without meeting resistance and looted the jewel house. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Simon Sudbury, took refuge in St John's Chapel, hoping the mob would respect the sanctuary. However. He was taken away and beheaded on Tower Hill. Six years later there was again civil unrest, and Richard spent Christmas in the security of the Tower rather than winter as was more usual. When Henry Bolingbroke returned from exile in 1399, Richard was imprisoned in the White Tower. He abdicated and was replaced on the throne by Bolingbroke, who became King Henry IV. In the 15th century there was little building work at the Tower of London. Yet the castle still remained important as a place of refuge. When supporters of the late Richard II attempted a coup, Henry IV found safety in the Tower of London. During this period, the castle also held many distinguished prisoners. The heir to the Scottish throne, later King James I of Scotland, was kidnapped while journeying to France in 1406 and held in the Tower. The reign of Henry V, 1413 to 1422, renewed England's fortune in the Hundred Years' War against France. As a result of Henry's victories, such as the Battle of Agincourt, many high-status prisoners were held in the Tower of London until they were ransomed. Much of the latter half of the 15th century was occupied by the War of the Roses between the claimants to the throne, the houses of Lancaster and York. The castle was once again besieged in 1460, this time by a Yorkist force. The Tower was damaged by artillery fire, but only surrendered when Henry VI was captured at the Battle of Northampton. With the help of Richard Neville, 16th Earl of Warwick, nicknamed the Kingmaker, Henry recaptured the throne for a short time in 1470. However, Edward IV soon regained control and Edward VI was imprisoned in the Tower of London, where he was probably murdered. During the wars, the tower was fortified to withstand gunfire and provided with loopholes for cannons and handguns. An enclosure was created for this purpose to the south of Tower Hill, although it no longer survives. Shortly after the death of Edward IV in 1483, the notorious murder of the princes in the tower is traditionally believed to have taken place. The incident is one of the most infamous events associated with the Tower of London. Edward V's uncle, Richard, Duke of Gloucester, was declared Lord Protector while the prince was too young to rule. Traditional accounts have held that the 12-year-old Edward was confined to the Tower of London along with his younger brother Richard. The Duke of Gloucester was proclaimed King Richard III in June. The princes were last seen in public in June 1483. It has traditionally been thought that the most likely reason for their disappearance is that they were murdered late in the summer of 1483. Bones thought to belong to them were discovered in 1674 when the 12th century forebuilding at the entrance of the White Tower was demolished. However, the reputed level at which the bones were found, foot or three meters, would put the bones at a depth similar to that of the recently discovered Roman graveyard, around twelve feet four metres, underneath the mineries, a few hundred yards to the north. Opposition to Richard escalated until he was defeated at the Battle of Bosworth Field, in fourteen eighty five, by the Lancastrian Henry Tudor, who ascended to the throne as Henry the Seventh. The beginning of the Tudor period marked the start of the decline of the Tower of London's use as royal residence. A sixteenth century chronicler Raphael Hollinshed said, The tower became used more as an armory than a house of munition, and thereunto a place for safekeeping of offenders than a palace for royal for a king or queen to sojourn in. The Yeoman warders have been the royal bodyguard since at least 1509. During the reign of Henry VIII, the town was assessed as needing considerable work on its defences. In 1532, Thomas Cromwell spent £3,593 on repairs and imported nearly 3,000 tons of cane and stone for the work. Even so, this was not sufficient to bring the castle up to the standard of contemporary military fortifications, which were designed to withstand powerful artillery. Although the defenses were repaired, the palace buildings were left in a state of neglect after Henry's death. Their condition was so poor that they were virtually uninhabitable. From 1547 onwards, the Tower of London was only used as a royal residence when its political and historic symbolism was considered useful. For instance, each of Henry VI, Mary I, and Elizabeth I briefly stayed at the Tower before their coronations. In the 16th century, the Tower acquired an enduring reputation as a grim, foreboding prison. This had not always been the case. As a royal castle, it was used by the monarch to imprison people for various reasons. However, these were usually high-status individuals for short periods rather than common citizenry as there were plenty of prisons elsewhere for such people. Contrary to the popular image of the tower, prisoners were able to make their life easier by purchasing amenities such as better food or tapestries through the lieutenant of the tower. As holding prisoners was originally an incidental role of the tower, as would have been the case for any castle, there was no purpose-built accommodation for prisoners until 1687 when a brick shed, a prison for soldiers, was built to the northwest of the White Tower. The tower's reputation for torture and imprisonment derives largely from 16th century religious propagandists and 19th century romanticists. Although much of the tower's reputation is exaggerated, the 16th and 17th centuries marked the castle's zenith as a prison, with many religious and political undesirables locked away. The Privy Council had to sanction the use of torture, so it was not often used. Between 1540 and 1640, the peak of imprisonment at the tower, there were 48 recorded cases of the use of torture. Three of the most common forms used were the infamous rack, the scavenger's daughter, and manacles. The rack was introduced to England in 1447 by the Duke of Exeter, the constable of the tower. Consequently, it was known as the Duke of Exeter's daughter. One of those tortured at the tower was Guy Fawkes, who was brought there on the 6th of November. 1605. After torture, he signed a full confession to the Gunpowder Plot. Among those held and executed at the Tower was Anne Boleyn. Although the Yeoman Warders were once the royal bodyguard, by the 16th and 17th centuries their main duty had become to look after the prisoners. The Tower was often a safer place than other prisons in London, such as the Fleet, where disease was rife. High-status prisoners could live in conditions comparable to those that might expect outside. One such example was that while Walter Raleigh was held in the Tower, his rooms were altered to accommodate his family, including his son who was born there in 1605. Executions were usually carried out on Tower Hill rather than in the Tower of London itself, and 112 people were executed on the hill over 400 years. Before the 20th century, there had been seven executions within the castle on Tower Green, as was the case with Lady Jane Grey. This was reserved for prisoners for whom public execution was considered dangerous. After Lady Jane Grey's execution on the 12th of February 1554, Queen Mary I imprisoned her sister Elizabeth, later Queen Elizabeth I, in the Tower under suspicion of causing rebellion as Sir Thomas Wyatt had led a revolt against Mary in Elizabeth's name. The Office of Ordnance and Armoury Office were founded in the 15th century taking over the privy wardrobe's duties of looking after the monarch's arsenal and valuables. As there was no standing army before 1661, the importance of the Royal Armoury at the Tower of London was that it provided a professional basis for procuring supplies and equipment in times of war. The two bodies were resident at the Tower from at least 1454, and by the 16th century they had moved to a position in the inner ward. The board of ordnance successor to these offices had its headquarters in the White Tower and used surrounding buildings for storage. In 1855, the board was abolished. Its successor, the Military Store Department of the War Office, was also based there until 1869, after which its headquarters staff were relocated to the Royal Arsenal in Woolwich, where the recently closed Woolwich Dockyard was converted into a vast ordnance store. Political tensions between Charles I and Parliament in the second quarter of the 17th century Led to an attempt by forces loyal to the king to secure the tower and its valuable contents, including money and munitions. London's trained bands, a militia force, were moved into the castle in 1640. Plans for defense were drawn up and gun platforms were built, readying the tower for war. The preparations were never put to the test. In 1642, Charles I attempted to arrest five members of parliament. When this failed, he fled the city and Parliament retaliating by removing Sir John Byron, the lieutenant of the Tower. The train bands had switched sides and now supported Parliament. Together with London's citizenry, they blockaded the Tower. With permission from the King, Byron relinquished control of the Tower. Parliament replaced Byron with a man of their own, choosing Sir John Conyers. By the time the English Civil War broke out in November 1642, the Tower of London was already in Parliament's control. The last monarch to uphold the tradition of taking procession from the Tower to Westminster to be crowned was King Charles I in 1661. At the time, the castle's accommodation was in such poor condition that he did not stay there the night before his coronation. Under the Stuart kings, the Tower's buildings were remodelled, mostly under the auspices of the Office of Ordnance. Just over £4,000 was spent in 1663 on building a new storehouse. Now known as the New Armories in the Inner Ward. In the 17th century, there were plans to enhance the tower's defences. However, they were not acted upon. Although the facilities for the garrison were improved with the addition of the first purpose built quarters for soldiers, the Irish Barracks, in 1670, the general accommodations were still in poor condition. When the Hanoverian dynasty ascended to the throne, their situation was uncertain, and with a possible Scottish rebellion in mind, the Tower of London was repaired. Gun platforms added under the Stuarts had decayed. The number of guns at the tower was reduced from 118 to 45, and one contemporary commentator noted that the castle would not hold out 4 and 20 hours against an army prepared for a siege. For the most part, the 18th-century work on the defenses was spasmodic and piecemeal, although a new gateway in the southern curtain wall permitting access from the wharf to the outer ward was added in 1774. The moat surrounding the castle had become stilted over the centuries since it was created despite attempts at clearing it. It was still an integral part of the castle's defenses, so in 1830 the constable of the tower, the Duke of Wellington, ordered a large-scale clearance of several feet of silt. However, this did not prevent an outbreak of disease in the garrison in 1841 caused by poor water supply, resulting in several deaths. To prevent the festering ditch posing further health problems, it was ordered that the moat should be drained and filled with earth. The work began in 1843 and was mostly complete two years later. The construction of the Waterloo Barracks in the inner ward in 1845, when the Duke of Wellington laid the foundation stone. The building could accommodate 1,000 men at the same time. Separate quarters for the offices were built to the northeast of the White Tower. The building is now the headquarters of the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers. The popularity of the Chartist movement between 1824 and 1858 led to a desire to re-fortify the Tower of London in the event of civil unrest. It was the last major program of fortification at the castle. Most of the surviving installations for the use of artillery and firearms date from this period. During the First World War, 11 men were tried in private and shot by firing squad at the tower for espionage, During the Second World War, the tower was once again used for holding prisoners of war. One such person was Rudolf Hess, Adolf Hitler's deputy, albeit just for four days in 1941. He was the last state prisoner to be held at the castle. The last person to be executed at the tower was German spy Joseph Jacobs, who was shot on the 15th of August 1941. The executions for espionage during the wars took place in the prefabricated miniature rifle range, which stood in the outer ward and was demolished in 1969. The Second World War also saw the last use of the tower as a fortification. In the event of a German invasion, the tower, together with the Royal Mint and nearby warehouses, was to have formed one of three keeps, or complexes, of defended buildings, which formed the last-ditch defenses of the capital. So, I hope you've enjoyed part two of our look at the Tower of London. We'll be back next week with the third and final part. Whatever podcast service you use to listen to this, please do subscribe to get updates on new shows and also please do leave us some feedback. You can let me know also any places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts and you can let me know through our website www.londonvisited.co.uk emailing me directly on londonvisited at gmail.com or contacting us via Twitter and Instagram on at londonvisited. Thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you soon for the third and final part of the Tower of London.